Hi, my name is Jeremy Wagstaff. You're listening to Living in a Pandemic. It's March the 29th, 2020. This is the second podcast of the series. As of today, there are 657,000 COVID-19 cases in the world, 83,342 of them in China. 30,451 people have died. In this interview, we meet Helen, a Chinese PhD student who lives in the US. I knew Helen when she was one of my journalism students in Singapore, which is why she calls me Mr. Wagstaff. We've kept in touch in the decades since, and I knew she had married and settled in the States. But when I caught up with her to chat about her experiences with COVID-19, I found out she was back at her parents' home in Kunming in southwest China. Hey, Helen. Hi, Mr. Wexler. How are you? Hi. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. It's so nice to hear yeah. from you. Very nice to have a chance to chat with you as well. I was hoping you weren't going to call me Mr. Wagstaff, but if you feel more comfortable calling me Mr. Wagstaff, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought you wouldn't mind it, but I guess I just want to show my respect. Like, I feel you're like, a really <laughs> nice teacher, professor for me, so I, I really want to use that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Okay, well, I won't stop you. I guess we should probably explain that uh, you were in uh, you were in my class once, right? Yes. You've gone on to very good things. So you're you're basically kind of living in the U.S. for the main part now, are you? Right, like for the past hmm. five, let me see, no, eight eight years. Yeah, it was studying and living in North Carolina. And uh, when did you get married? Uh, Two thousand seventeen. And you, you now have a son? Yes, um, Naveen. He was born uh, this past summer and he was just about like eight months. He's growing bigger and bigger and heavier and not here. <laughs> Excellent. Lovely. And so, so what happened? You, you uh, took him back to show to your parents in, in China on your own, was it? Uh, no, actually, um, in January, my husband and I and my mom, we came back to China together. Um, and then my husband went back to India to, to Mumbai to visit his family before he went back to the US. And then just me and uh, Naveen were, are here. We have been stuck here for like about three months since January. Wow. So you were really only meant to be there for a few weeks, but uh, the coronavirus right. changed all that. Was that... Okay, yeah, wow. who would have expected? Because um, I was here uh, mainly to uh, for my interview for the immigrant visa for the U.S. It's another story, mm-hmm. but like I have to interview through consulate processing. So I went back, I came back and uh, went to Guangzhou consulate for the interview. So I was hoping like, oh, after um, the visa officer was like, oh, it, it should be good. I asked by after two weeks, uh, you you would expect in the mail if everything goes fine, but then you know the after the uh, Lunar New Year, like everything was just stopped. So until now, we didn't um, have anything. Like I don't even have a visa to go back now. But um, fortunately, I can like still work from home uh, for my PhD, mm-hmm. and uh, I plan to like defend remotely for the dissertation. Right. Okay. So you've already submitted the dissertation and then you have the defense, the, the sort of viva process, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I haven't submitted it, but uh, the scheduled defense is May the 7th. Mm-hmm. So initially, it was funny, like, 
earlier the situation in China was really bad. So I emailed my advisor and the graduate school and they were super supportive. And they were like, yes, this is really extenuating situation. And we're, uh, we're going to like be as flexible as we can. So my advisor was like, oh, you are the first person who were granted remote defense, like from like our university. But then who knows, like in the US, the situation got worse. And now every student in the US, they have to do remote defense too. It doesn't make a difference now. You would have been a pioneer if you'd you'd been the only one to do it. Now everybody's doing it. Yeah. Right. Wow. That's quite an upheaval. I mean, uh, it must be very difficult for you because you, you know, this is the important part of the PhD process, right? Uh, The final submission and then preparing for the defense. Yeah. I think it's important, but like when you are in China, especially earlier in January, when you read so many stories about people in Mm -hmm. Wuhan like passing away, about like the fear like, I feel the PhD is just, like, the minimal part of this whole, right. like, worries, worries. Like, it's not the priority at all. Yeah. Right, right, Now it's a right. distraction for me to focus on so that I won't be worried as much. Right, yeah, the sort of everything is put in context. Yeah. Mm. So where, where are you uh, living in China? My geography is terrible. Is, is, it, is it an area that has been badly affected, or have you managed to avoid the worst yeah we are actually kind of fortunate in we are in uh, i'm in yunnan in Kunming, uh the southwest part of china like which bordered mm-hmm. uh, burma vietnam and laos um yeah we don't really have many cases uh the recent cases are just like from abroad like not not as many as like shanghai or those uh big cities we're kind of second tier mm, city right presumably there has been quite a lot of uh they normal life has has changed there as well right i mean that they've had to impose restrictions and, sure. and limit movement and stuff huh? for sure like earlier we have like this 14 day quarantine if you go to a city um when it was really serious because my um my other family members they live in an even smaller town uh and they were celebrating the lunar new year with us and after this um thing after this outbreak like cars without the local license in that city uh they were not allowed to enter the city so my grandma like they kind of lived with us for a while before uh the policy loosened now but now everything went back to normal almost so mm-hmm. so it's it's good now like here i feel right so things have pretty much gone back to normal people are going about their normal business there aren't any real restrictions in place anymore no except for like wearing masks Um, right but i could be wrong because i feel i'm so stuck at home and i don't really go to work (laughs) so i don't even know the real policy i was aware that uh when this outbreak was severe, uh, my dad, they have this WeChat groups of workmates and they had to report to each other like every day who is where and is safe mm. and not infected. Yeah, but since I feel like I'm like a helicopter person here, like just like landing here for, for like several months. <laughs> so I really don't know much. Right. Uh, so you didn't really experience any shortages or, you know, things were running out or... or... No sort of people were it was it didn't really hit your province uh, your town as much as elsewhere no not at all honestly mm. and uh, we were like suggested or recommended like only one household goes out goes out to shop and uh, mm. every time we have to scan those qr code about our whereabouts there are some subtle like small things like in the community like for example earlier when you order for example those 
water, like drinking water, those uh, workers who carry the water, they will come to your home and place you the water. But now, of course, the community ban uh, are not allowing that. So you still have mm. to go to carry those big jars of water, <laughs> like those kind of small right. inconvenience. But honestly, there is nothing we feel really difficult. Not because I also mm. heard my friends talking about in the U.S. like. Now even toilet paper is um, hard to buy, and they have mm. uh, and certain kind of milk uh, they have to ration it. So yeah, probably not as difficult as in the U.S. now. Right. I guess you have a kind of interesting perspective on this because a you know those of us who are living in Asia have been very conscious of all this uh, mm-hmm. since January, as you say, late January, early February, when it started to become apparent that the problem in Wuhan was significant Mm. and so I think most of Asia stood up and uh, took notice whereas in Europe and and North America I think is only very recently in the last uh, three or four weeks that the people have really uh, focused on this so I suppose Mm -hmm. initially it looked like you'd got a very bad choice by ending up in China whereas Mm -hmm. now uh, your friends in the US are probably wondering whether they're in the wrong place it seems like it's almost kind of stretched across the globe and and affected people but on a on a delay and and people talking about something in europe now is something that we were talking about a couple of months ago exactly it's it's almost like situations flipped like when we were initially here um there was a shortage of facial masks um and uh, Sandeep told me, my husband, who, um, who have also some colleagues, his some colleagues are uh, also from China. And he mentioned to me some of his colleagues uh, went to uh, the post office to mail some facial masks from the U.S. to China. Um, but now, like, I was asking Sandeep, should I mail you some facial masks? Because there is a shortage there. Yeah, so it's it's just so ironic, I feel. Mm. Yeah, and uh, it's kind of hard um, when the fa- when kind of our families live apart, like Sandeep is there, and I'm just constantly worried about him because now he also has to stay at home. Like initially, I feel like um, uh, he just like he can go out to work and he has his he can just go back to his bachelor life without me and Naveen. But now he's just mm. stuck at home. Even yesterday, he mentioned to me he went out for a run, and when he saw the neighbor, he didn't really go like physically very close to them. But he felt mm. he felt good because it was the first time in like about a week like he could like say hello to a person in face, like mm. in person. Right. And that right. I feel that's the most difficult part. Yeah, it does. Uh it does have an impact, an emotional impact, right? We yeah. we don't realize that even those of us who are loners, who actually sort of enjoy our own company, that even then we, we still need other people around us, even if we ignore them or keep them at a little bit of a distance. It, it suddenly starts to feel very lonely when you're, when you're this isolated or, or, or secluded. Yeah, I feel so, yeah. Do you think there's um, any conclusions that can be drawn yet about how certain kind of cultures you're you're obviously straddling three or four really interesting cultures do you think there's a cultural aspect to this are are some cultures more uh resilient to these kind of upheavals and, and social changes that are imposed very rapidly or do you think kind of everybody essentially reacts in the same way 
uh, even if superficially they they appear different? Such a nice question. I honestly <laughs> I don't know, but I just feel when China imposed this policy, um, I just want to say like Chinese people are just really nice, kind people. Like we just follow the rules strictly. Mm. Like when the rules are like, oh, nobody goes out. Nobody goes out. My parents, all the community, and our neighbors. Like we are so good family, kind of family with our neighbors. That we eat at each other's places, but during that severe like time, we just don't go. Like we just wave, say hello,、uh, far away to each other. Like I、mm-hmm. think that really helped. And I don't know whether this is true, but from what I read about the. Case in Italy is like some when the、uh, kind of this lockdown policy was、um, issued. There are still people not like taking it seriously. I guess that、mm. um, probably made the just the virus more、um, powerful. I guess.、Yeah. Right. The Chinese people would、uh, and your community, your 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 uh, parents, uh, neighbors, etc. They would they would strictly follow this. If the if the local official said you must do this, there would be no. A questioning of that or no disobedience, it would be it would be followed. No, and、uh, we are just like I feel we are very.、Um, I don't know whether how to frame it, like whether we are good at it or whether we are really willing to do this. But we just、mm. do this. We are willing to sacrifice our personal freedom to trade for the safety、mm. for like an、right. extended period of time. And、uh, also, I I feel there are a lot of sacrifices that people in Wuhan made because of this、mm. lockdown. And so many, like some of my friends,、uh, who whose parents, like one friend's mom,、um, they are the nurses.、Uh, she's a nurse, and、uh, one friend's dad is a doctor. And they all went to、uh, Wuhan to help. Like these are not from、mm. Yunnan; they are like from different provinces. And they like just one after another, like those.、Um, Those doctors and nurses, they just went to want to help, and I think that that is just admirable and really adorable. During that period, I was like just reading the news, and I couldn't stop crying, like reading those sad news. I feel like the rest of the provinces, like where we live, we are fortunate because the virus was contained in Wuhan,、mm. where the medical resources were just stretched so thin. Right. Yeah, that that's interesting. That that seems to be the case, right? That that a lot of Chinese people feel that、uh, the people of Wuhan made made a, a huge sacrifice,、yeah. and that it's clear from the data, at least so far, it's not the end of the story, I suppose. But so far, it does appear to have done the job. But the cost of it was was great for for one city, right? One yeah. province. Yeah. How does it work in terms of? I mean, you talked about your community, your your parents' community within the building, within the the neighborhood,、mm-hmm. and everybody kind of eating together and stuff. And when that is removed, how do people then check up on one another? You know, the sort of elderly lady down the hall is she okay? We haven't heard from her for for a bit. How do how do people kind of keep those community bonds going when all the doors are shut? Um, that's a good question because. I feel first like probably in our community, the sense of community is not that strong. Like we don't know much about other neighbors except for like the neighbor close to us.、Um, mm-hmm. But it's very easy to maintain. We see them every day. Like we hear that sound. They hear Naveen cry every day. So like, <laughs> yeah. So so we kind of and after this,、uh, we just like、um, go back to the normal and.、Uh, 
in smaller community, yeah, sorry, I couldn't really answer that question because I don't mm. know much. And during this period of time, my uh, grandpa passed away from the, mm. he, he lives in, a, he lived in a small village in that small town. And initially, all like me, mom, uh, dad, and Naveen, we booked the tickets before us, uh, for us to go back. But then during that period, there was this still this 14-day quarantine. Probably it's still there now. But anyway, that time, uh, I thought like, what if like on the way back uh, to Kunming, like Naveen showed any symptom of cough or whatever, and they want to quarantine us in a designated hotel or place. It would be hard with Naveen, like eight months old, and he has severe eczema. He needs to eat like special, like certain kind of formula. And then I was just afraid, like, what happened if we have to be quarantined? So ended up just dad went, dad and mom went back to that small town, and uh, my auntie came to my house to help us. Yeah, so that was a kind of difficult part. Right. But you were, your your mom and dad were able to get there before everyone was confined to their homes. Yeah, they. I don't hmm. know. Like then, yeah, they were able to still visit, but they have to right, right. kind of quarantined for a while. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry for you about your grandfather. That must have been difficult. Thank you. Yeah, he lived a long life, as I told my friends. Um, <laughs> yeah, and he didn't suffer much. Yeah, I think. Right. Hmm. So. What's your uh, what's your plan now? You're just hoping that uh, eventually you'll be able to get back and that your papers will be sorted out, or are you going to just stay put and defend your thesis from there and and just stay in China for a while? Yeah, I couldn't. I don't have a choice but to stay here without a visa. So mm. right. the best I can is just like try to defend here. And uh, yeah, thankfully, like my advisors, like my team work like workmates they are just super nice and with the technology it doesn't feel that far away like i can feel still connected that was helen in kunming we'll get back to her in a few days and see how she's coping you've been listening to life in a pandemic produced by myself jeremy wagstaff and sari sulasono if you're not already doing so please subscribe so you can catch future episodes and find old ones And if you like it enough, make your feelings known on iTunes or whatever service you're listening to this on. If you'd like to comment or participate, please drop us a line at pandemic at cleftstick.com. My name is Jeremy Wagstaff. Goodbye for now and stay well wherever you are.